Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, we are picking back up with our topic of hell and the problem of eternal punishment. And yesterday we talked about how information about the gospel and and who God is doesn't seem to be the problem for a lot of people who choose to reject God and the gospel of Jesus. And we looked at example after example of people who know exactly who God is and what the message of Christianity is, and they reject it. They, they choose to walk away. And the question that we sort of ended with was, why do we think that people would somehow become different just because they die? If that's how they feel in this life, there's really no reason uh, to assume that they're going to be different in the life to come. And as I said yesterday, that right there leads us to a very important answer to why eternal punishment could possibly be fair. And at least it's one answer. It's not, I think, the whole picture, but at least it's a big part of it. And it's this idea that eternal punishment is fair if people are eternally unrepentant. In other words, we we looked earlier this week at this idea that um, if people only sin so much in, in their finite lifespan, how is infinite punishment fair? And on paper, that, that I think there's some merit to that thought. But if we take it a step further in light of what we've just been discussing over these last few days, and we ask the question of why do we think people will change, and there's really no reason to think that they will, just because they've died. Well, what if people continue after death to go on sinning? In other words, they continue to go on rebelling against God, cursing him, blaspheming him, all these things. Well, so long as they continue to go on sinning forever, then we're not talking any longer about a finite amount of sin. We're now talking about an infinite amount amount of sin. And an infinite punishment for infinite sin certainly is fair. Certainly is. And so that's at least one aspect. Uh, I want to read for you a couple quotes from some uh, writers and theologians, starting with C.S. Lewis, who wrote this, I willingly believe that the damned are, in one sense, successful, rebels to the end, that the doors of hell are locked on the inside. The choice of every lost soul can be expressed in the words, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. There is always something they insist on keeping, even at the price of misery. In other words, it's entirely possible and maybe plausible to think that if the damned are given the choice of staying in in hell, in torment, versus leaving and being in the presence of God where they have to submit 
to God and to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, that they would prefer to stay in hell in torment forever. And so C.S. Lewis's point is that if that's their choice and they're making that choice, then essentially everyone gets what they want. Everyone gets what they want. If the only two choices are submit to God and be in his presence or don't submit and be in eternal punishment, then everyone gets their preference out of those two choices when it's all said and done. It's an interesting thought. Uh, Dallas Willard, who is a a theologian, he uh, wrote on this topic as well, and, and he said this, Thus, no one chooses in the abstract to go to hell or even to be the kind of person who belongs there, but their orientation toward their self leads them to become the kind of person for whom away from God is the only place for which they are suited. It is a place that they would in the end choose for themselves rather than come to humble themselves before God and accept who he is. The fundamental fact about them will not be that they are there, but that they have become the kind of people so locked in their own self-worship and denial of God that they cannot want God. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in those statements from uh, from Dallas Willard, just that uh, to echo what C.S. Lewis said, I think everyone gets what they want in the end. If those are really the only two choices, then everyone gets their preference of those two choices. Now, I want us to sort of pivot because we've answered how at least potentially hell could be fair, the, the, un, the unending torment aspect of hell could be fair if we're talking about people who are unendingly sinful and rebellious and, and rebels for eternity, uh, then that can make some sense. But I also want to sort of pivot and look at a different question uh, that we're at least going to get into a little bit here uh, today, which is, will hell be the same for everyone, though? Because it, um, it, it it's difficult to think about, for sure. And I don't want us to just um, downplay or water down something because it's an emotionally charged question. But I do think that there's some scriptural precedent for saying that, no, hell will not be the same for everyone. And we can look to two passages in the Gospels, uh, both both words spoken by Jesus to sort of uh, to, to backstop that, that idea. The first is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 15, where Jesus says, Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now, why would Jesus say something like that? Well, part of it, I think, has to do with the amount of light that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah had relative to uh, the towns in and around Jesus's ministry. And so what Jesus is saying is the more revelation, the more light that someone has been exposed to, the more truth about God and, and who he is that someone's been exposed to, the more they're going to be held accountable for that. And so that it's not necessarily that punishment in hell is going to be determined by how, quote unquote, bad you were in this life. It's not going to be determined by how uh, sinful you were or what kinds of sins that you did. Rather, the degree of punishment is going to be determined by how much light you rejected. 
And that again is a, a thought that sort of turns uh, things on it on its head for us. We tend to think in terms of, you know, who's the worst person that we can think of. And that person must be getting more punishment in hell. But that's not the standard that Jesus lays out here. It has everything to do with the amount of light and revelation that that person rejected. In Luke chapter 12, verses 47 and 48, Jesus says this, And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what what deserved the beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So once again, this idea, I think, very clearly illustrated by Jesus that not everyone is equal when it comes to how much knowledge they have. And accountability is based on knowledge. If you as what Jesus says here in Luke 12, if you break a law and you were doing it purely out of ignorance, you didn't know that you were breaking a law when you broke it. The sentence for that typically is lighter than someone who maliciously, intentionally violates a law and they knew that they were doing it when it happened. That's different. The heart is different. The attitude is different. And that's part of what Jesus is saying here. And so not only how much did you know, but what attitude did you have and did you intentionally, maliciously reject it or were you someone who, relatively speaking, uh, didn't have as much light? And so this gets into as well the question from last week of what about those who've never heard? If they've truly never heard and they're in a culture in a place where they're extremely isolated, I think that is a different certainly level of light and revelation than someone living in the modern Western world who's exposed to the gospel message all the time, all the time, if you think about it, uh, through just uh, churches and advertisements and Christmas messages and just all these different things that are just floating out there at all times in our culture. There's a lot of light. There's a lot of light. And people are choosing to reject that light. So tomorrow we're going to sort of wrap this whole question up and we're going to look at a different question, which is probably the most emotionally charged question of this whole doctrine. And that is when we get kind of personal and say, so what does that mean then? What does all this mean for my friends, my family, people that I know in my life who have died and that I don't have any reason to believe uh, ever embraced Jesus and and, uh, and place to their faith and their belief in him. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. So I hope you'll join me then. 